Amen. Well, good morning again, everybody. So glad that you're with us, whether you're here in person or watching us on YouTube or Facebook or our podcast. So glad that you're with us here today. And we have some exciting news on this Easter Sunday. Breaking news, headline news. We can confirm that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. We have undeniable proof, undeniable proof that he is alive. It's not only headline news, it is the best news ever heard. Not just because it's a nice story that gives us another holiday. It's the best news because it's true. He is risen. And when we say he is risen, we don't mean it in just a figurative or poetic sense. We really believe that he rose from the dead. It would be like going to a funeral of one of your friends. And uh, at the conclusion of the funeral, they lower the lid to the casket and then they take you to the graveside where they lower the coffin six feet under and they bury the coffin and then put the dirt on top of the coffin. And then a few days later, that same friend shows up out of nowhere saying, hey, you want to go get some Chick-fil-A, get some God's chicken today, right? That's kind of what happened to Jesus's followers at the resurrection, And if their claim is false, then Christianity is just another religion. But if their claim is true, then it changes everything. We're going to be in Mark chapter 16 in a few moments. You can turn there if you brought your Bibles. But today, as we well know, there is more fake news than ever around us. (laughs) We, We don't even know which sources that we can trust anymore. I saw this uh, yesterday, Gallup.com says that confidence in mainstream media is at an all-time low. It's getting more and more difficult to understand what is true and what is not true. And culture, you know what what culture does? They'll put a high value on just live out your truth. Whatever your definition of truth is, live that out. Just be yourself, they'll say. If it feels good, then that's what you should do. Be true to yourself. And that sounds good. It tickles our ears on the surface. But if we live our lives that way, it tends to backfire and we'll end up creating more problems than solutions for us. Because really, living your truth just means that you are living by your feelings. And it's never wise to make life-altering decisions based on your feelings. Because feelings change, don't they? There's another reason why we should not live to the motto of just live your truth. Because what happens when your truth and my truth contradict each other? Then whose truth is going to win out? Which truth has the higher standard, the higher value? That's why it's better that we pursue what absolute truth is. Let's find out what the truth, what real truth is, and let's live by that truth. Well, there is some real truth that we want to share with you today. It's not fake news. It's not fabricated. It's not fickle. It's not based on feelings. It's the best news of all. Jesus is alive. And because he is alive, we can have life. So we're going to read about the resurrection account in Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene... Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus's body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on the way to the tomb and they asked each other, 
oh, we didn't think this through. Who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Of course, we know from other accounts that that young man was an angel. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now, moments later, these same women, they went out and they found the other disciples and they told the disciples about this incredible news that Jesus is alive. Now, if you're new here, we believe that the Bible, God's word, is the infallible, inspired word of God. It is perfect and without flaws. Now, we're not saying that the people in this book are perfect and without flaws. Only Jesus has that title. But the content in this book came from the very heart of God, and it is absolute truth. Now, when I say something like that, you might want to strike back a little bit. Perhaps you're a little skeptical about the Bible. You're skeptical about Jesus and this whole Son of God resurrection thing. Maybe you're curious about Jesus. You're exploring Christianity. You need to look under every rock. You need to explore and, and get all the information before you make your decision. You need some evidence. You need proof. Well, if that's you today, I hope to answer some of your questions because either Jesus did rise from the dead, like he said, or he didn't. It's one or the other. And if he did rise from the dead, it's the most incredible news in human history. If he did not rise from the dead, then it's one of the cruelest jokes or hoaxes ever played on mankind. Because see, the, the, the resurrection, it's the linchpin of Christianity. Without the resurrection, Christianity falls apart. A man named Lee Strobel, he was a newspaper reporter for the Chicago Tribune. He set out to disprove the resurrection. He wanted to dispel and dismiss Jesus and his claims and Christianity and all of its claims. And after extensive research that took him almost two years, his investigation led him to the conclusion that the resurrection was actually not a hoax. Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. And in fact, he wrote a book about it called A Case for Christ. A Case for Christ. I encourage you to get this book. In fact, I want to give this one away. If this happens to be your first time here and you're interested in reading Lee Strobel's book, A Case for Christ, I'm going to give you this book. If that's you, raise your hand. You want this book if you're new here? I see someone in the back, right? Hey, Craig, could you just take that back to the, they can duke it out. There's two hands with their <laughs> highest bidder, right? Now listen, for the one that didn't get the book, if you go down this hallway, uh, are we going to have the Calvary store open? The Calvary store will be open after service. We've got, we have any of those books left? Not sure if we have them left from the first two services, but go check out the Calvary store. We've got some other resources there for you as well. But there is compelling evidence that is so overwhelming that the resurrection did indeed happen. In fact, there is more evidence for the resurrection than evidence against the resurrection. And today, I wanna to take just a few moments and give us seven pieces of evidence 
for the resurrection. If you'd like, you can take notes this morning. They'll be on the screen. Number one, the first bit of evidence for us today is the nearly empty tomb. Now, we often talk about the empty tomb of Jesus, and it was empty for the most part. Uh, After these women went and told the disciples that Jesus had risen, uh, Peter and John, they wanted to go check things out, so they raced to the tombs, and when they arrived at the empty tomb, they discovered that it wasn't entirely empty. John writes about it in chapter 20, verse 3. So Peter and the other disciple... Now, the other disciple is John himself. John often refers to himself in his gospel in third person, right? So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran and reached the tomb first. Isn't that interesting? John just had to put that in there, right? (laughs) I'm faster than you, Peter. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, this slowpoke, finally come along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, you know, the really fast one who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. So Peter and John, they arrive on the scene and and they see that the body of Jesus is gone, but the grave clothes remained in there. They were undisturbed, almost as if Jesus just passed right through the grave clothes. Jesus, in a sense, made his own bed. His clothes were in place. This couldn't have been a hoax. This couldn't have been grave robbers. It couldn't have been the disciples trying to pull a fast one on people because they couldn't have gotten past the potentially dozens of Roman guards that were standing guard. Had they gotten past them, there's no way that they could have moved that stone, which was thousands of pounds, and then made off with Jesus' body and then take the time to make the bed. And most of you do have time to make the bed and you don't make the bed, Right? <laughs> The the neatness and order is evidence that this is not a hasty removal of Jesus' body. No, Jesus rose from the dead and left the grave clothes behind as evidence. The second piece of evidence today we want to share is the eyewitness accounts. So after rising from the dead, Jesus appeared to his followers on many different occasions over the 40-day period of time before he ascended back to heaven. And no two appearances were alike. It was a variety of appearances. Uh, of course, we just read that he, uh, that he appeared to the women at the garden tomb. He appeared to them first. Later that day, he, he made an appearance to some of his disciples There were two in particular that were walking to a little village called Emmaus. He met them on the road to Emmaus. We're going to be talking about that in a couple of weeks, by the way. He also appeared to some disciples on the seashore and made breakfast for them. Another time, he just kind of teleported right through a wall. He appeared out of thin air right before Thomas and the other disciples. We'll talk about that next week. And I encourage you to come back as we look at those eyewitness accounts over the next few weeks. Those encounters were life-changing, destiny-changing encounters. Now, the Apostle Paul, he actually listed people who saw the resurrected Jesus in 1 Corinthians. He encouraged skeptics to go ahead and interview them. 
Go find them, corroborate their claim that Jesus is alive. You want proof? Okay, here's 500 people, go and ask them. Here's what he said in chapter 15. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas. Now, Cephas is Simon Peter. It's Peter. Then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Paul said, go ask the 500 witnesses that saw the resurrected Jesus for themselves. Now, Josh McDowell, he says that if you were were to take those 500 witnesses, have them testify in a courtroom under oath, give them about five to six minutes for their testimony, you would have more than 50 hours of firsthand eyewitness testimony. 50 hours of evidence. That's a lot of evidence. The eyewitness accounts prove that Jesus rose from the dead. Here's a third piece of evidence for us today. The change of the day of worship. This is an interesting one. Now, of course, as Christ followers, we are to worship the Lord every day. But Sundays are the day that we have chosen to come together corporately, publicly, and worship God together. But before the resurrection, people worshiped God on Saturdays. This, of course, was the Jewish Sabbath. But after the resurrection... Christians, they gradually switched the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week, on Sunday, the brand new week, and it gave mankind the opportunity for a brand new beginning. We gather on Sundays to honor the resurrection. Number four, the changed character of the disciples the changed character of the disciples. You can turn, if you've got your Bibles, to Mark 14. At the Last Supper, all the disciples, they were hanging out with Jesus, they were having the last meal. They all vowed their support to the bitter end, to Jesus. Hey, we're gonna be with you, Jesus. But in the end, they ended up all abandoning him. Now, Simon Peter, he gets the brunt of criticism because he was the loudest and he was the boldest to proclaim his unending support. Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 27. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That's a fulfillment of a prophecy from the Old Testament book of Zechariah. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you. Well, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. They all said, not just Peter, they all said, Jesus, we are with you. We've got your back until the end. Yet just a few moments after this scene right now, let's look at what happens 
as Jesus is arrested. Skip down a few verses to verse 48. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. All of them. Of course, we know Judas, he's already betrayed him. But now the, uh, the remaining 11, they all deserted Jesus and fled. They left Jesus to himself. Jesus would go on to be put on trial. He was beaten and flogged. He was crucified. Eventually, he died. And when he died, the disciples went into hiding. They figured everything was lost. It's a, it's a lost cause. They were heartbroken, they were grieving, and they were hiding out full of fear. But on the third day, when they saw Jesus was alive with their own eyes, they suddenly had a dramatic change. They started proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ boldly to anybody who would listen. They went from cowards to world changers. They went from fearful to faithful. And eventually, they died for their faith in Jesus Christ. That's actually another piece of evidence for us today. Number five is the disciples' willingness to die. History tells us that all of the disciples, except John, were martyrs for the sake of Jesus. They all experienced hunger and hardship and Poverty. Some were shipwrecked. They were whipped. They were stoned. They were beat. They were thrown into prison. And eventually, all of them were executed because of their faith in Jesus. And it would have been so easy to save themselves from execution. Just deny the story. Just say, I'm sorry. Don't, don't hurt me. Don't kill me. I made it all up. But none of them did that, did they? If it was a hoax, if it was all fake and made up, nobody in their right mind would allow themselves to be executed for somebody else. But the disciples knew it was true. Jesus really did rise from the grave. Then number six, we have the Old Testament prophecies. A professor named Peter Stoner calculated the mathematical probability of one person in the first century fulfilling just eight of the clearest Old Testament messianic prophecies. And he concluded this, the chance that one man would fulfill eight of them is one in 10 to the 17th power. I think I got this number right when I typed it out for you. There's a lot of zeros here, as you can see. Right? Now, for comparison, the odds of winning the Mega Millions lottery is about one in 300 million. That's, that's one, uh, that's a three with eight zeros. Okay, this is, this is a one with 17 zeros. Isn't that incredible? By the way, if the Lord would bless you and you would win the Mega Millions, make sure to tithe to your local church, Calvary. The Lord's going to bless you for that, I, I promise. Now, that's just, this, this probability is just eight of the messianic prophecies. There are actually almost 200 prophecies about the coming Messiah in the Old Testament. Now, the odds of one man fulfilling 48 of the 200, that number changes dramatically. 
That goes to one in 10 to the 157th power. That is a one with 157 zeros. There's not room on this screen to write that out. That is a big, big number. Now, no person, no document even comes close to accurately predicting like the Bible does. The only explanation is that it is true. And then number seven, the existence of the church. The existence of the church. Nearly 2,000 years after the resurrection, the church isn't just barely making it, barely getting by. It is alive and well and making a positive impact all around the world today. Philanthropyroundtable.com says that church people, they give up to 52 times more to charitable causes than non-church people. See, true Christians are an extension of the love of God. By the way, that's a good litmus test for us. You know, we should be ambassadors of truth, but we also need to be ambassadors of love. Jesus said, hey, they're gonna know that you're my disciples by your love. The reason that the church exists today in spite of increasing persecution is simple. Jesus isn't dead, he's alive. Now, we could go on, but we've given you seven pieces of compelling evidence for you today. See, I understand that in a room like this, some people, you need proof. You need a working understanding. You need some head knowledge before it sinks down into your heart and you make your decision to follow Jesus. For others, they're just not interested in real truth at all. See, some people, they aren't on a truth quest. They're on a happiness quest. And they don't want anything to get in the way of their happiness, right? So they don't care about the truth, especially if it gets in the way of them being happy. They'd prefer Jesus just stay in the tomb. Because if Jesus came out of the tomb, then they'd have to follow Jesus. And the urge to live for self and the urge to live against God's truths and God's morals is just too much for them, too strong for them to surrender and believe in Jesus Christ. So they'll only listen to things that validate their happiness. But the truth is, he did come out of the tomb alive. And something as powerful as the resurrection requires a response from us. Now, we began today by telling you, if Jesus really rose from the grave, rose from the dead, it changes everything. If it's true, then the implications are huge. And I've got three things that I want to share as we close. Three things that since the resurrection is true, these three things. Number one, Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is who he says he is. If a person loved deeply, healed many, performed miracles, lived a sinless, perfect life, then accurately predicted his death, burial, and resurrection, I think I'm gonna go with what that guy has to say. This is what he had to say in John chapter six, verse 36. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Of course, he's talking spiritual there, right? 
Jesus is who he says he is. He says that he's the bread of life. He also says that he's the light of the world. He said that he is the door to eternal life. He's the good shepherd. He said that he was the son of God. He was the son of man. He's the Messiah. He's the savior. He's the Lord. He is king. Jesus is who he says that he is. And number two, since the resurrection is true, all other religions are false. Now, you've probably heard someone say something like this. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. But listen, that's not true at all, is it? You can be as sincere as the day is long and still be wrong. I can sincerely believe that cats are better than dogs. But I'd be wrong, right? Because everybody knows that do I'm kidding, cat lovers, right? We love you. We love your cats too. They're adorable. I can, I, can be in, I can be sincere in telling you that my Cardinals are doing really good as they kick off the baseball season. But the truth is they've lost five out of the first seven games. Is that right? The truth gets in the way of my sincerity. You can be sincere in your belief that humans evolved from fish or ostriches or monkeys or whatever. But the truth is, we didn't go from goo to zoo to now you, right? You can be sincere about your beliefs and still be wrong. There are 4,200 religions in the world today. All of them are sincere. But listen, there's only one empty tomb. There's only one empty tomb. Jesus said this in John 14, verse six. He said it to his disciple, uh, Philip. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying there aren't multiple paths to heaven. We don't all just pick a road, pick a path, and eventually we all end up in the same place. No, there's only one way to heaven. And that's Jesus Christ. And his resurrection is the exclamation point to his claim that he is the Messiah. Then number three, because the resurrection is true, you can trust Jesus with your life. You can trust Jesus with your life. You can trust him with your future. Trust him with your destiny. Even trust him with your eternity. He predicted and fulfilled his own resurrection. Therefore, you can trust him that his words are true. Here's what he said in John chapter 11. Jesus said to her, his friend Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Put your trust in him. Put your trust in Jesus and you'll live forever. Physical death won't be the end. Physical death will just be a promotion to heaven where you will never die and you will always be in the presence of Jesus. Now, before we close, I want you to hear a story about someone who's experienced a changed life and his life is living proof that Jesus can change your life too. Take a look. <laughs> 